Before we start the show, I want to thank the thousands of you, the thousands who have read This Book Will Make You Dangerous. Many of you have told me that the book's unique way of exploring fear, confidence, and purpose has had a lasting impact, that it's much easier for you to get clarity and direction about what really matters and what you want to do in this lifetime. It's also amazing to hear that quite a few of you have read it multiple times and even bought copies for friends, so thank you again. Just in case you weren't aware, I created a free companion video course for the book. And in these videos, I walk you through the big takeaways and practices from each chapter. And I even cover some extra stuff that's not included in the book. Information on how to access the course is in newer versions of the book. And if you own an older version of the book and you don't know how to access the course, just hit me up via the contact form at triplinear.com and we'll get you all set up. And one last thing, if you're one of the thousands who have already read the book, please consider leaving an honest review on Amazon so that others can decide if it's right for them. Again, thank you so much for reading. This book will make you dangerous. And now let's start the show. You are listening to the new man beyond the macho jerk and the new age wimp. Your host is men's coach, Trip Lanier. Do your emotions keep you from having an unbeatable mind? When the going gets tough, what keeps you from quitting? And why is it so critical to have a clear sense of purpose in life? Former Navy SEAL and SEAL Fit founder Mark Devine is here to discuss how to have an unbeatable mind and why real power comes from dropping the tough guy act. Welcome to The New Man. Today we are talking with Commander Mark Devine. He's a former Navy SEAL and founder of SEAL Fit and Unbeatable Mind. Mark, thank you so much for being here. Hey, Trip. Thanks for having me. Great to speak with you. So your trainings and your programs are, are designed for a very, very high caliber uh, person. Uh, they're designed to bring out the best, the most resilient version of ourselves. Um, most guys see Navy SEALs as these superhuman, <laughs> like unbelievable, like above and beyond what, what as normal guys can do. And, and a lot of it usually gets focused on the physical capabilities. We see guys going underwater or doing these, you know, climbing or jumping out of perfectly good airplanes that kind right. of thing, but a, a lot of your stuff goes beyond the physical training and that that into the the world of the mental conditioning. Uh, and so, I want to talk today about how we can, how the guy like me or the guy stuck in traffic or he's on a treadmill like right now, how can we train ourselves to have what you call uh, an unbeatable mind? So let let's start there. What does that mean? Why why would a guy want to have an unbeatable mind? What's in it for him? <laughs> well, let me start by saying, you know. Becoming a Navy SEAL, you know, it, it's achievable. And, you know, a lot of folks like myself did it. And we did it because we had kind of either either just by happenstance stumbled upon some of these principles, probably a lot of which you teach through your programs, um, of, of basically how do you win in your mind. And then the fifth part, you know, that, that was important, but that was really the easy part of the SEAL training. And so, you know, one of the reasons that people think SEALs are so damn good at what they do is, is because they are but mainly because they train themselves, and so it's available and accessible to anyone. And so what I try to do with Unbeatable Mind is to kind of parse that out and say, okay, what were the, what were the principles? What, what did I do back in the day, you know, when I went to SEAL training 20 years ago, 
to not just uh, not just survive, but to thrive and, and become the honor man or number one graduate in my class. What were the things that I did, and how did I learn those? Right, and so I kind of I, I traced it back, and I realized that you know I had developed a lot of those skills in my martial arts training, in you know my my athletic development career with some great coaches and mentors, and then also um, in, in the times that I spent in silence, running around the mountains of the Adirondacks alone. You know, so there were a lot of interesting things that helped me get through the initial training. And then the warrior development training of the SEALs, you know, took it to a level which was, you know, even blew me away. And so I try to pick up, you know, there and say, okay, now all these other principles that the SEALs embed into their training and also all great warrior traditions embed into their training in some form or another, you know, how can we then parse those out and provide them to, you know, the every man or woman who wants to perform at their peak, you know, in business and in their families and in their personal lives and, and essentially in life in general. Okay. That's kind of what Unbeatable Mind is. You don't have to be a physical stud to do Unbeatable Mind. On the other side of my fence with the SEAL Fit program, you know, you better train and be ready for that because that's game on. You know, okay. physically really challenging. Yeah, I've heard about the Kokoro thing. What, what is it? You guys stay up for 50 hours and then you get raped by sea lions and, and uh, what... <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. You know, the sh- we, we release the sharks for that one and they just kind of swirl around you. You're in the water for 50 hours straight. I'm just kidding. It's not that bad. But um, you are awake for 50 hours. And uh, it's modeled after the Navy SEAL Hell Week program where you're awake for six days, five nights straight. And the whole principle there is that, you know, what I call the 20X factor, you're, you're capable of 20 times more than you think you are. Uh, a lot of people try to, you know, think it's a physical thing and so they've got their way through it. But their physical bodies, you know, break down and there's, you know, that, they leave that behind. So then they think, well, maybe I'll just mentally, you know, mind, mind check my way through it, you know, with a mind of steel. And then with the sleep deprivation and the cold and the nonstop chaos and, you know, these the, the fascinating structures I have who can, you know, who can get in under anyone's skin, then your mind starts becoming not an ally but an enemy. And so now you got to go beyond your mind. And so the whole principle with Kokoro is how do you tap into you know, great emotional strength, great, you know, spiritual strength, for lack of a better word. And in fact, that term Kokoro is often defined as warrior spirit. And um, I like a different definition, which is to merge your heart and your mind in action. So with the Kokoro camp, that 50 hours of nonstop training, we're really trying to to allow you to, to learn to penetrate to a much deeper level of your being, you know, psychologically, physiologically, emotionally, spiritually, and then to bring all that power to bear to solve the problem. Let's talk about that power. Let's talk about that power, that emotional power, because there's there's many guys that I talk to, and they're not soldiers or warriors out there, in the you know that are having to kind of deal with life and death things. But they are stuffing and repressing their emotions. That somehow right. their emo- their emotional world is a distraction, or it's some kind of a thing that's going to pull them away. Uh, yeah. What I get about your work is that that's where the real power is, and, and and you talk about accessing that purpose or that drive or the why. What difference right. does having a clear sense of that why or that felt sense of purpose make for someone going through their life? Yeah, you know what? They're, they're connected, but what we say in Kokoro Camp is your why had better be damn strong um, for, for, for being there, right? And so a lot of people will say, you know, in the comfort of their home and their bedroom, oh, yeah, my purpose is to be this. But then when they're pressed to the wall, all that falls apart and they can't follow through. And so, you know, the whole point of Kokoro Camp is, you know, you've got to be super clear on your why. And a lot of times people will literally change their life direction after Kokoro Camp because their why changes. They connect with it at a much deeper level. And then when they come out of that experience, you know, that crucible 
fire that kind of burns through all the bullshit, then they have a much clearer idea of, you know, what's really, really, really important in their life, not, you know, not the surface level social or family important things. So that's what I mean. You know, what we say, if, you're, if your why isn't like a deep intrinsic motivator that's, you know, going to power you when everything else is bleak, then uh, stand by. You probably won't be standing here on Sunday when we're finished. Well, and, you know, and this is where I get where if we apply it to the guy that's listening right now, whether it's his the things are getting tough in his marriage, or things are tough in his career, or he's a father and, and things are challenging there, that if he's not connected to that emotional core drive, what it's really all about for him, then he's left the back door open. He he he's gonna exit. And and uh, is that what you are you drawing a parallel between Kokoro and some of these other things that are that can happen in in a, a quote unquote normal guy's life? Yeah, it's just a much more extreme um, circumstance, right? And so, you know, a lot of times we need, here's my premise, is like the Kokoro camp is like a self-induced challenge. And in life, if you, if you go to the challenge, you'll learn those deep emotional lessons. If you don't go to the challenge and you let the challenge come to you, stand by, you're going to get your ass handed to you. And so this is an opportunity for guys and women to go to the challenge, to test themselves, to learn those principles and to, to find a new why that's more powerful, more connected, you know, springing from more their, their wellspring of their soul as opposed to maybe their monkey mind or, you know, some other belief system that's driving behavior. So, okay. you know, the crucible experience allows you to burn through those layers and get to that root. And, and then when you come out of that, you apply that in any area of your life. Everything becomes much clearer and also become, you become much less compartmentalized because you're driving – Every, you approach everything with that very clear sense of why you're doing it, your purpose, and uh, you get very clear about what's important and what's not, and so your life starts to get more you know, simplified, more streamlined, and uh, you're able to propel yourself forward with a little bit more uh, power because you're, you're focusing on the right things and not the wrong things. You're saying yes to less. You're saying yes to less, and, and therefore whatever you are focusing on is more potent. It's more, you're more Correct. present and you're more powerful. Right, and you've got more uh, focus and more energy to put into those things. And like you know, as you know, there's a lot going on there. Like we could write a book just about that sentence, why you can be more powerful when you're more present and when you're more focused. Um, however, you know, a lot of times we need to shock ourselves to to kind of wake up to this new reality. And that that's what I try to do with Kokoro Camp. You know, there's other ways to do it. You can you can study yoga every day for five years, and that'll certainly get you to the similar results or martial arts programs really kind of help do the same thing. You know, doing the crucible experience is really a um, accelerated shortcut. Did you, did you, have you experienced that shift in yourself and your own why when, when you've gone through these, sure. uh, these, can you talk a little bit about how you got in touch with that and what that is for you? Yeah. I mean, in my, in my scenario, like when I, it, it first happened in my, my, um, my first why was my martial arts training. My first uh, experience with a crucible was my martial arts training. And this was when I was 21 through 25 years old. And I just happened to study with a really, really authentic, incredible uh, master, grandmaster named uh, uh, Kaicho, which you know, stands for grandmaster in Japanese, uh, Tadashi Nakamura, who was the founder of a style of karate called Sado. And Sado was very traditional, and it was in Manhattan. And, you know, we worked hard, like, like you know, pools of sweat, blood, you know, from your knuckles, that kind of thing, every training session. And then we would sit in silence for sometimes a good 15 minutes. And then every Thursday night, we would sit in silence for 45 minutes to an hour. And um, this was a radically different experience for me. Now, I had worked hard in athletics, 
but not that gut-wrenching, you know, got to go deep inside kind of hard that, like we did with this karate training. In my black belt test, you know, four hours long, I had to fight like, uh, you know, 50 other senior black belts, some of them multiple times. And the whole point there, it was a little mini crucible, was that I literally had to get out of my head and fight with that unconscious confidence that I had been developing over those years. And so both, you know, the, the experience of the silence and the crucible took me to a place that gave me, you know, terrific confidence, but it wasn't confidence born of my intellectual power. It was confidence that came from deep within. And then, um, you know, that, that inspired me and gave me the courage, really, to, to go after the SEALs. When I went to BUDS, or, you know, basic underwater demolition SEAL training, and came upon Hell Week, which for us was the eighth week of training. And that is when uh, the week that we basically, you know, started training on Sunday at 4 o'clock, and we finished on Friday at, like, 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock the following Friday. And we didn't sleep the whole time. We were just training around the clock. Wow. And, um, you know, I approached Hell Week, you know, with, with as much confidence as I could, but I had this sense that, um, you know, I was going to have to dig much deeper. And the, uh, one of the instructors told me that, you know, don't, don't sweat it, Mark, you're capable of 20 times more than you think you are. And so that stuck with me. And as I ma- navigated my way through this Hell Week uh, in the seals, I found myself, you know, first breaking down and having all the you know, hallucinations and kind of fatigue that you would expect. But by the third day, you know, when more than two-thirds of the class had already quit, by the third day, I started to find myself getting stronger and actually more alert, even though, you know, I was, my, my fatigue factor was, you know, slowing me down. And if I'd gone out in the street and taken a, a drunk test by a cop, I probably would have been clinically drunk, Yeah. you know, at least in my behavior. Inside myself, I was getting stronger and, and a more alert. And the simple tasks they were asking me to do, I was able to perform them very well. And uh, it was quite an eye-opener for me. And, and so that, that has a lingering effect, right? So when I come out of Hell Week, it's not like I re- revert back to the person I was before Hell Week. It's literally a new beginning, a new me. It's almost like, you know, you, you literally rebuild yourself and then you go forward. And if you keep training, you develop on that new base and you accelerate it. If you stop training and you just go back to your old ways, then, of course, I think over time you just slowly lose it probably and go back to, you know, earlier well, it's interesting because because so many guys want to blame a lack of resources in their life. I'm not fit enough. I don't have enough money. I don't have these these connections. Or there's something that they're blaming it on. And, and it sounds like through this hell week and through all this training, you you were having your resources stripped away, and then right. finding this reserve underneath that. And, and now you create your life from that place instead of you know, well, how much money can I get or how much. How you know women or whatever this kind of external stuff, which is nice, but it you you've got a real felt sense of what's underneath there and what's really driving all that. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that's an excellent assessment, Trip. Um, you really do get everything stripped away, and you then you come to realize that hey, you know what? In spite of that, I got everything I need right here inside of me. Um, you know, all the other stuff was just bullshit, right? And so what you need are your your teammates. That becomes a really important principle because you can't do it alone. And, and that's one of the things we try to teach in Coral Camp. And actually, you know, to, to tie this into the, the beginning of our conversation, this is where the, the essence of emotional development comes in is that you have to let go because you, you can't be the tough guy. You can't be the one who's going to solve all the problems. You know, you can't be the center post for everybody in every situation. You have to let go and surrender to, this, um, to your teammates. And 
simultaneously, you have to take your eyes off yourself and support your teammates. And both of those require emotional, you know, um, maturity and control and resiliency. And so, you know, it also develops it because as you as you take your eyes off yourself and you start helping your teammates, um, you know, you become you're acting out of a place that's much more present, right? You're you can't be thinking about the future and the past and obsessing about how you know things suck if you're helping someone, right? right. You really just can't you can't do it because it's such a positive act. And in that moment of positive, you know, total positive act of support and service to to your fellow teammate who might be suffering as badly as you are, suddenly you're giving yourself all that positive energy because you leave a carbon copy of it on yourself or with yourself. Furthermore, all your other teammates are now starting to return the favor, and you become much stronger because you've got all these other teammates now watching your back and helping you out. It seems like we move from this place of uh, of of what's in it for me, and I'm the tough guy, and I'm alone, and into where we find real strength is in that surrender. That's such a powerful yeah. word, especially for you know this conversation, and then service. If we really right. want like true power, it's about that surrendering and that service and connecting with others. I th- this is where you're talking about heart. And I think that for a lot of guys, we, we tend to think having heart or being open hearted or just having that kind of, of emotional awareness or compassion will make us weaker. But this is where you're laying the case that, no, this is where you get stronger. Right. Exactly. It makes you stronger, but it takes a, it takes a leap of faith and yep, you know, it exposes you to some vulnerability. And you know, that's what I learned in Hell Week. Like, I, I'm comfortable to say that I loved my field brothers as much as I love, you know, my family. It was a different type of love, but and we don't have a great word for it in our society, but you, you do develop that love for your teammates, and so guys are, are uncomfortable with that. It feels sticky at first until they experience it, and then they're like, yeah, check, I got you, Mark. I know exactly what you're talking about. I would, you know, I love my teammates so much in Coral Camp. I would have done anything for them, and they were right there for me, and they would have done anything for me. And that is such a powerful experience to have that it changes literally everything, you know, the way you look at life, the, you know, everything. We have, you know, one of my one of the good friends now, um, I met him at Kokoro Camp, and he's a former NFL football player. His name is Derek Price. He, he played for the Detroit Lions for two seasons. He broke his neck, which ended his career. But anyways, you know, he, he was a similar, you know, what we're talking about is kind of fits him like a glove because he was this, you know, real tough guy, former NFL guy. And then when that career ended abruptly, he, he sought his you know, excitement and that kind of social proof by just trying to find the toughest things he could do, you know, so he swam Alcatraz, he ran the Ironman, you know, he ran an endurance ultra race, and, you know, he was looking for the next tough thing when he found Kokoro Camp with Steelhead, and um, interestingly enough, about halfway through the camp, he had this shift where he realized this wasn't about him, and no matter how tough he was, he wasn't going to do it without his teammates, and furthermore, he was going to learn more and be better and, and be more useful if he could then turn some of his physical talents onto his team and help them out. And this was a, a radical shift. It was the first time that he had really operated from this, this uh, awareness center of, you know, hey, it's not all about me. It's actually more important. My teammates are more important than me. And it changed the direction of his life. And it was very cool, you know, to see that. And wow. Then, I just love that. You know, there's real power. How can I serve? What can I do to, right. to contribute instead of, it's about me and, and what am I going to get and what do people think of me, et cetera, et cetera. Get out of that mindset, get into a mindset of service. How can I help, you know, how can I help my fellow, uh, my neighbor, my, my friend, whatever. And that's where the real power is. Yeah. And the, and the thing is, Tripp, it's, it's one thing to think about it 
right? And it's not a thing to uh, to do a service pro a feel good service project because your church says, hey, you know, we got to do this if you want, you know, if you want the golden ticket and stuff like that. It's another thing to do, you know to do it at such a visceral and authentic level that you really think your life depends upon it, mm. and that that experience is a much deeper one. And you know, so it's you know, people who have been through survival situations or survived cancer and relied on uh, other people and had to surrender have have had the same experience, and they you know they often write about it and use similar terms that I'm using. And so that's what's neat about the Kokoro camp or you know crucible experiences like that is that you know it provides that safe controlled training environment to get to that level of depth and authenticity. Beautiful. Well, let's talk a little bit about fear because a lot of guys are out there and they're, they're, everything they want is outside of their comfort zone. And, right. and, and they're fearing that they're going to go broke or they're going to be alone or they'll be seen as a loser by the rest of the world. And these are pretty small fears compared to having somebody shoot you or capture right. you or something like that. So is it give us walk us through you know it's not like okay you know we're going to wait till the perfect time and then we're going to uh do something dangerous uh, what's the what's the process for training guys to expose you know to to deal with greater greater amounts of fear there's a couple aspects first um to 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 begin to embrace risk uh in small increments right and so just like you know just like learning how to do a deadlift you know 10 pounds, you know, at a time as you develop that strength and the, the, you know, the, the power to be able to move that load, you know, you start to take on uh, challenges that expose you to some risk that's out of your comfort zone and you integrate the experience, right, by, um, you know, really, really embracing the lessons and, and even if you fail, right, there's no such thing as failing. So, you know, what, if you learn from an event, there's no failure in it. You know, it's just a, you just learned a way either not to do it or a way to do it better. And so um, to start leaning into the challenges and to, to step them up every time you do it, right? So I recommend that people choose a weekly challenge. And so for us, because I love physical training, you know, it doesn't have to be physical, but I'll use this as the example. You know, I say, okay, you know, you've got your training regimen. And for us, you know, seal fit training is challenging. The workouts are, you know, a couple hours, you know, they're arduous. We use CrossFit and strength training and endurance and durability. But once a week, you know, you're going to do one workout that takes you even out of that comfort zone, right? Like further out. Mm -hmm. And so we'll do a challenge workout. It might be like a thousand push-ups for time or, um, you know, a couple thousand burpees or a mile walking lunge with a 20-pound weight vest or something like that. You know, and I don't always personally hit these every week, but, um, you know, let's say you try to do a harder workout every week and do a, you know, significant challenge every month, and then you're going to do a 20X type challenge maybe every six months to a year. And that's something like, um, you know, some version that's appropriate for you of Kokoro Camp, right? And so we have actually a couple of those available for people. Like one is called the 20X Challenge, and it's a 12-hour challenge. You know, some people focus on, like, the Tough Mudder and the Spartan Race. You know, and again, these are, these are challenges that take you out of your comfort zone in right. a big way. So the, the bottom line is to, is to just find ways to take risk and increase that risk over time and test that. Because many guys right. are just waiting until, let me get all the green lights, let me make sure everything's fine, and then I'll take the risk. Well, then there is right. no risk. Yeah. You, can't, you can't train for the big day just by you know, going, to the, going to the race you know right. what I mean? or going to the event. You've got you to gotta incrementally build your way there. And that's true, with, um, you know, that's true with pretty much anything. It doesn't have to be physical. Now, the other thing that I will say is, and this is important for Unbeatable Mind, is um, 
we believe, I believe that the training that you do, the development that you do has got to be like whole person integral development. And I know you understand that term because you've trained with Ken Wilbur. You know, we, and so the five key capacities, human capacities, that I think you must train and develop in a balanced manner are your physical structure, right? That strength, stamina, the ability to do work, the ability to stay in the game and be durable and those types of things. You know, and again, depending on where you're at, it doesn't matter. You have no excuses that, you, you know, you can't get out and do some functional training and make your life better and make your body more useful right. in the real world, right? Because it's just a matter of knowledge and application. And then the second is mental development, right? Starting to recognize, and the research is coming in fast and furious, that we are more than our critical minds. We are, there's so much more to how our minds work, and it includes, you know, our you know, great creative subconscious and our intuitive, um, you know, capabilities. So to really get into that greater aspect of developing our minds. The third is emotional development, emotional control, and emotional resiliency. Um, the fourth is awareness, expanding our awareness, getting outside of our, you know, limited range of sensory perception, and being able to, you know, deepen our powers of concentration and, and uh, awareness, you know, so becoming a sheepdog in society as opposed to, uh, you know, waiting to be a victim. And then the last is your spiritual strength. And, you know, I'm not speaking of any religious context whatsoever, but just, you know, right. that raw strength of your spirit, that connection with that why, the ability to, to, to focus, you know, hyper-focus with pure intent and commitment, you know, with that why backing you up. Beautiful. So those are the five, you know, I believe that you've got to bring all those to bear in, in the way you train. You've got to have an awareness of it that it, it can't just be one of those spokes of the wheel. Right. That, that you've, you've got to have at least an awareness of all those different things and are they contributing or are they taken away. Right. And the neat thing about hard physical challenges that, you know, you literally bring all five of those to bear at some level. Like in Kokoro Camp, you're, is the physical there? Yes. Is the mental there? Yes. Is the emotional there? Yes. Is the spiritual there? Heck yes. And, you know, I just had one of my Kokoro grads tell me, he goes, man, I, I've got this incredible spider sense right now. I've got, I don't know where it's coming from, but ever <laughs> since Kokoro Camp, you know, my, my awareness and intuition has been amped. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things, you're just, you're just tapping into that that um, aspect of yourself at a deeper level. And then from there, it gives you a sense of what it is, and you can cultivate it a little bit deeper. I got excited when you said that. That was, that was cool. Cool, yeah. So, like, we see a lot of examples of unbalanced people coming into Kokoro Camp, and they don't make it, right? The classic is, you know, the, the real beefy bodybuilder, right, who, who's got the, this incredible physical structure, but, you know, the, they haven't really trained in the right way, um, and they had a lot of ego attachment and, you know, you know, toward their physique. And so as soon as they start breaking down and, you know, we get through that physical barrier, they don't have, you know, the emotional control, um, the awareness, or maybe the spiritual strength to, to withstand the, you know, the duration and, the, and the, um, the other aspects of the event. So they quit. Okay. You know, and then there's other examples of, you know, folks who are like a mentally just super 10-ton brains, but physically, you know, they just don't have... The, um, the durability and the right. structure really to, to go the distance. Right. You know, so again, my philosophy is to live the fullest life possible. All of these need to be built in a, in a manner that's balanced and appropriate for you as an individual. I like it. One of the things that, you know, we can have the, the machine tuned up and we can be firing on all cylinders, but then we can still be making choices and you know, choosing to put our attention and focus to certain places that are that are draining us. And and one of the things that that I think of is like, 
negativity, if I'm reading negative news or I'm hanging around negative people or I'm taking part in gossip and complaining, what, what kind of, how does that affect everything else that we're trying to do in terms of our mental power and energy and all the, all the, all the qualities that you just talked about? I think it destroys it, right? So, you know, there, to me, there's kind of a progression to how we develop, um, develop ourselves. And, and really, the very beginning of that is to get control of your mind. You know, if you get control of your mind by, by uh, you know, through concentration techniques, through meditation, then we can learn to uh, examine the quality of the thoughts and also the emotions, the energy, right, that's going on. And that's when we start to note, you know, the negative chatter, negative thought patterns, belief systems, um, and a lot of that, you know, is, is pouring into us from society, from, you know, network news, from, you know, like you said, the, the, um, the gossip at the office or at home, just, just constant negativity streaming in. And so, you know, we got to first shut that off, shut that out. And so, you know, I recommend to folks just turn off the TV, you know, flat out, just take it out of your house. You know, there's plenty of other options. You know, we use just Amazon to download a, uh, a movie here and there that we want to watch, but there's no TV because that's kind of your number one source of negative input. And then two is people that you, you know, you share your world with, right? And so if people, you start to get control of your mind and you start to notice, you know, other people that are negative around you, well, guess what? You need to avoid them. And if you can't avoid them, then you need to block that energy. And that's just a very conscious act, which leads to my third kind of stage or phase, which is then to take control of the... Um, messages and the uh, patterns of thought and the imagery in your mind like a traffic cop would, right? And so uh, I had this, you know, some real simple drills. Like, and I, I use the metaphor, what dog are you feeding? Are you feeding the dog of courage or fear? And that's just a way to get you to stop and to, to literally ask that question to yourself inside your mind. What am I doing right now? What thought patterns are in there? What does it feel like? What is it, what's the imagery behind it? And if it's negative, if it's, you know, taking me down or if it's, um, you know, critical or has any kind of hint of, of negativity, then you interdict it and say, nope, that's not, you know, it's not going to be something that serves me right now. And then you redirect it to something that will serve you. So a positive image, a positive statement, I call those power statements. I got this, uh, I'm going to crush it. You know, let's say you're in a hard workout and you, you, you know, you, all of a sudden either I say or someone says or, or the thought comes in your head, what dog am I feeding? You realize that you're suffering and you're telling yourself this sucks, I can't wait to be over. That's a negative belief pattern. It's going to weaken you as an individual. It's going to, it's going to send you down the spider hole of, you know, defeat. And so you say, stop, you know, you interdict it, introduce a power phrase like, who ya, I got this, piece of cake, easy day, feeling good, looking good. You're going to crush this, right? And then, so then that starts to evoke a little bit more po positive uh, feelings, a state of being. Then you you know you replace you replace the imagery with uh, images you kicking ass taking names, and then you kind of maintain it with a mantra. And so my my mantra during steel training was feeling good, looking good, ought to be in Hollywood. And I would say it over and over and over, <laughs> hundreds and hundreds or thousands of times during a training session, and it would keep me both psychologically and, and physiologically really positively charged. And you know I would go on and either win or or you know finish in the top ten percent awesome. every time because of that. I just want to point out to the guy that's listening right now, like pay attention to your experience because what Mark's talking about here is what actually has us feel stronger. The way that, you know, and, and think about it. Like when I hang out with these people and they're complaining or they're bitching or talking about all the negative stuff in the world, do I feel stronger as a result? Do I feel stronger when I'm talking to myself in a certain way? 
So if I, you're paying attention to what dog you're feeding, as he says, you know, it's it, it can be. Think about it in terms of money. Am I am I receiving? Am I on the receiving end, or or is this costing me? Is this expensive? Is this draining me? I, so just pay attention to that experience, and it's very simple. The words, the language you use, the people you're hanging around with, what what types of conversations you're you're tolerating. Um, and just pay attention to your experience. Is this draining me, or is this strengthening me? Yeah, that is well said, and I agree 100%. You know, we can look at it as simple as this. We are basically a big vibrating energy machine, you know, at, at, a, at a molecular level. And that energy can be charged positively or it can be charged negatively, and there's a whole scale in between. Um, and so when you're thinking negative thoughts, when you're speaking negative thoughts, and when you're feeling negative thoughts, then you are weakening yourself because you're weaker in a negative state. When you're thinking positive, feeling, or seeing positive imagery, then you're strengthening yourself because we are stronger in a positive state. And, and the whole field of kinesiology, you know, proved that part long ago. So we're just basically saying, how do we take this into the inner realm, right? Yeah. How do we take it into the inner realm? We know this is true. You know, like if you, if you hold a piece of sugar, you know, in one hand, you're going to be weaker than if you hold something that's really healthy for you, right? And, you know, the same is true with the thoughts and the uh, sensations and the emotions that we hold in our body. So... The key is to then become the uh, story writer of our own story and to write the story in the most positive manner possible and then to live that story in the most positive manner possible. When you do that, you become the author, the director, and the producer of your own life TV show, and you can create whatever you want out of life, right? You can, it, it can really become the heaven on earth that you're, you're hoping for, um, but, you know, it just takes a deliberate day-by-day, moment-by-moment awareness of what's going on on the inside. Absolutely. You know, one of the things, and it's also just focusing, you know, being aware of where we're putting our attention, because we're not talking about bullshitting yourself. It's not about acting like something is, is something it's not. And, and I, For instance, I was working with a client the other day, and we've been working together for a while, and every week this guy does something that's courageous. He does something that it, it empowers him as a creator. And then right. I called him out on his language where he would, I would say, that's really, that's really excellent. You see what he did? And then he would minimize it. He'd do something that would collapse it right. somewhat. Yeah, well, but I didn't. Da, 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 da. And I was like, that's interesting because what story are you feeding here? That you're not enough or that you are courageous and that you are a creator? And he, it, like a light bulb went off and we started to see how even that story was right. what was really deflating him when his actions were actually to the contrary. They were, he was getting stronger and stronger, but that story he was choosing to tell himself right. was weakening him. Right, and this is why a lot of really successful people, you know, torpedo their success right on the, you know, the, the five-yard line, you know, to use the football metaphor. And, you know, I think this is the aspect of our beings that is pretty wired pretty deep into our subconscious. You know, I call that our background of obviousness. It's so obvious to other people, like, it was obvious to you that he was, he had a negative dialogue, but, you know, had you not pointed that out, he never would have known that. And so that negative dialogue, that negative programming came from somewhere. And I'm willing to bet that he didn't invent it himself, that it, it came from some programming from, you know, either his parents or, you know, just some people here, he was around in early childhood and it just got rooted and grooved pretty deep. Right. And so that part of, you know, first acknowledging and recognizing you know, whether we're positive or negative and redirecting it and doing all the stuff I talked about a little while ago is really, it's critical for that surface level. But then you've got to start going deep and looking at the deep subconscious programming. And in my experience, visualization 
and shadow therapy and stuff like that is really valuable for that type of work. Just to kind of pull out those things and see how they're grabbing you by the ankle and pulling you back in. Um, yeah, you got to go back and take a look at them. You know, the ancient Toltecs are said to have had a tradition that, you know, for, for warriors who were on the path, you know, to, to becoming warriors, you know, they were young, you know, teenagers. And then, you know, the next step was, okay, I'm going to become an adult warrior. One of the things they had to do was what's called a recapitulation, where they had to go back and relive everything that happened in their life up to that point in time. It usually took about a year. And it was a deep, deep emotional and visual uh, journey backward in time, very, very personal. And, you know, they had some instructions on how to do it, but it was a very, very intense and personal journey. And the whole point was, and it's very similar to kind of regression therapy, but, you know, today we use a professional therapist. The point was to go back and to shed light on those uh, things in your life that may have uh, had a negative influence on you, and then to clear the air, you know, to shed the light of awareness on it so that you can release any stored or blocked energy from it. You know, I had to do this personally with, with some issues from my own childhood to unblock some things that were showing up in my adult life that I'm like, I don't really understand this, but, you know, tracing it back to, you know, six-year-old Mark, all of a sudden you, you start to realize, okay, there was that incident, it was really painful, so I blocked the energy, right? Right. I didn't, didn't want to feel it at that age, didn't have the tools. And instead, I put a defensive, you know, emotion on top of that, right? And so there was something, it was transmuted into something else that became really unhelpful in my adult life, right? Like it either closed me down, shut me down emotionally, or it was causing, you know, ripples of anger to come up at, at times that it really shouldn't have happened, you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's like how much of our energy gets gets wasted trying to maintain that defense, like you said. Like yeah. what, there was something that, you know, in my own past, I remember it, and it, until I actually worked with it and released it, which was not a very fun process, but it relieved, I, I remember it was like, I don't have to keep this 800-pound gorilla in this trash can anymore. I have all this energy uh, available to me now. I'm not playing defense anymore. Is that what your experience was like? Exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's that's right. Once you release it, it releases all this energy because, you know, it takes a lot of energy to lock up that those emotions, you know? And it's not that we don't want to feel those things. We do. We, we just want to be able to handle We can handle them in a much more mature manner, right? Yeah. Not when we're adults. And so you can let them go. You know, you don't have to hide behind them anymore. Um, but, you know, to do that work requires a bit of courage. So even doing that work, especially for guys, you know, requires a leap of, of faith. And, you know, but, you know, to me, you know, I've been teaching Navy SEAL candidates and special ops candidates this stuff for years, and they all get it right away, and they dive into it, and it it really, really helps them. You know, I have people who come, you know, to my training who, I have two two programs, let me preface by saying this. One is where I can work with people at at a deep level, like we're talking about, in a one-week and a three-week academy setting where they live with me, they train, you know, around the clock with me for 12, 15 hours a day. We do a lot of this work. And then the Kokoro camp is the test, Right. So I have people who come to the test and just literally flat out quit because of an emotional barrier like this, right? And, but those who work with me through the, you know, the three-week academy and the one-week academy, they break through those barriers early. And then when they get to the crucible test at Coral Camp, it's not an issue, and they just fail through. Got it. So, Excellent. You know, you can do the work in an, in an intense immersion setting like a retreat or, you know, like one of our academies, or you do it, you know, through a therapeutic process, or if you're a do-it-yourself kind of guy, then, you know, the Toltec method is awesome. It's basically go back and visualize those events. You know, and a lot of times you kind of know, you have a sense of what they are, but you just go back and you, you visualize it, you relive it, 
You know, you feel it in its intensity. You don't hold back. You don't shy from it. And then, you know, that, that awareness that you learn from that, it's great to have a journal handy. You know, you start to work with the insights that come up. And then, you know, what you do is try to integrate, you know, your, your adult self with the energy that uh, got blocked at that young age. And, you know, it basically releases that 10-ton gorilla. It, it's great to it's great to hear you talk about this, especially in the context of power. Like, how do we how do we how do we become more powerful and more of ourselves in our lives? Because so many guys, we, we all kind of bought into this idea that to do that work or to or to own that part of our lives was somehow you know what would weaken us. And um, I just love that you're flying the flag for no. If you if you're if interested in genuine power, like real power, so you can bring the best version of you to the world, then you've got to right. do this work. Yeah, it's not true that you know. Being emotionally um, available makes you a pussy. I mean, that's frankly the opposite. You know, those guys don't make it into the warrior, you know, great warrior traditions. You've got to basically be authentic, and you got to be, you've got to have a thick skin at the same time, right? And so, when someone calls you out, and it could be really painful, instead of like going off on them, you got to suck it up and say, "Yeah, you're right." You know what I mean? I had that, I had that breakdown, or I did fuck up, and now it's on to me to learn from it, right? Yeah, and so you know the seals are very good at that, even though they may not, you know, train the method that I'm talking about here, because you know these things I developed in my academies and whatnot. But right. you know, most of my peers, you know, had very good emotional depth and, and control, and that's really like you said, the source, the source of their power wasn't just their physical self. And you know, I will point out, and I said this earlier, that you know we were taught in our society, we're brought up with our education to really honor and to think the you know that intellectual quotient, that critical mind, that rational thinking mind is, you know, the end-all, be-all of our mental capacities. And that's so far from the truth. That represents probably 10 to 15% of our overall mental capacity. And the rest of it is literally locked up in our emotional intelligence, our intuitive intelligence, and, you know, our creative subconscious. And so when you, you know, when you do this kind of work where, you know, you sit in silence and you, you know, start to turn off that, that um, identification with that, that critical, you know, thinking mind, um, then we open a door to the rest of that part of us. And so the power comes from being able to utilize that aspect of our mind, that other 85%, which, you know, requires us to be emotionally available, to be able to tune to those emotions, to be able to listen to our gut, and to lead with our heart. And so, you know, I talk about in my training the heart mind and the belly mind, right? And so, you know, now science is proving that we have neurologically processing capacity in our belly and our heart. And so the sum total of our belly, our heart, and our brain, you know, and our spinal column really represents our whole, you know, physical component of our mind. And it still goes beyond that, yeah. right? And so we just have to have a whole new way of looking at what, what it means to use your mind. I love it. You could call it a, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the iceberg metaphor or whatever, but it, you, if you, you've got to enter, you just, you know, you're either running on, you got a six cylinder car and you may be only running on two cylinders. Just consider that guys that your best right now without going into your emotional world and, and embracing all that confusion and you know, weird stuff right. that might be there. You're just running on a fraction of your power. Um, it's, it's very powerful. What's, what's one thing that a guy who's listening right now, what could he do today? If you were just going to give him one practice that is something that would strengthen him and, 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 and move it, get, move the needle forward a little bit for him. All right. There's one practice that I think is a must do. And it's a, it's a triplet, I mean, it's, it's a triple practice, meaning it, it has three significant benefits okay. um, that'll, that'll impact um, you right away. 
and I call it box breathing, right? And so the box breathing is as simple as breathing. Uh, there's a couple steps. You breathe in, in through your nose and out through your nose. You breathe in a pattern that is shaped like a box, and the duration is going to be long enough that it's slightly uncomfortable. And so I, I feel like to start with a five count. And so I'll inhale to a count of five. I'll hold my breath for a count of five. I'll exhale for a count of five, and then I'll hold my breath for a count of five. Now, what is it doing for me? Number one, you're inhaling deep to your belly, so you're doing deep diaphragmatic breathing, which, as you know, is going to basically rewire my, my automatic breathing process over time to where now all the time when I breathe, I'll be doing deep diaphragmatic breathing. Why is that important? Because I'm getting more oxygen into my system, and oxygen is a, is a primary source of fuel, right? Uh, that's what fuels you know, our, our aerobic capacity. And so breathing uh, deeply into our diaphragm, we're basically um, – we're charging our body up, we're, we got more oxygen, we got more energy, and we're expelling all that spent air that, you know, if it doesn't get expelled, it basically toxifies our body. So that's benefit, that's a physiological benefit, number one. Physiological benefit number two is that by breathing through our nose and not our mouth, see our nose is designed to breathe um, when we're calm, right, when we've got that kind of calm state of mind, and it actually has an effect, a calming effect on us. Breathing through our nose stimulates our parasympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system, which is really the shut-off valve for our fight or flight, fight or flight syndrome. And so, you know, by breathing through our nose in that controlled manner, we're calming our bodies down and we're calming our minds down because this whole process, especially when done in a, you know, in a quiet place, is very similar to a Zen meditation. Mm. You know, you're simply doing a breath awareness meditation with a hold. And so your mind is getting very focused because you're concentrating on this breath pattern. And so your mind has difficulty thinking about other things. And so it tends to serve as a method for developing concentration and mental control. Beautiful. So one simple te technique, box breathing, you do it for five minutes at a time. You know, you can do it when you're doing routine tasks such as driving or, you know, standing in line for something or shopping. Um, I do it when I wake up and when I go to bed. I do it before meetings. Um, I'll do it whenever I can. And all of those benefits are accruing um, as I'm doing it. Awesome. I love that. Um, and so where, where can the guy go to learn more about Seal Fit and the Unbeatable Mind? Yes, yeah, very simple. Two websites I have. One is SealFit.com. Uh, www.seal, just like the seals, dot seal fit, S-E-A-L-F-I-T dot com. And um, that's where, you know, we, we have our um, physical training program. You know, we post free workouts every day. They're pretty challenging. So, you know, if you're not ready, then we have an online training program and, you know, videos and stuff to help you out. And then, um, and, and also a ton of videos about the Coral Camp, if anyone wants to just take a look at that training. There's lots of videos on there. They're very cool. Then the second place is uh, unbeatablemind.com. So that's www.unbeatablemind.com. And that's where we have the, what I call the working in principles and an online training program by that name. Uh, we've got about 1,500 people enrolled in that that are, you know, practicing all these things that I've been talking about. And, um, you know, you don't have to be a physical stud. I've got moms and, you know, professionals from all walks of life who are engaged in Unbeatable Mind. And occasionally we, we put together a retreat or a seminar to go work on these things in person. So those are the two places. Awesome. Uh, SealFit.com and an Unbeatable Mind. Uh, so we're going to have those links up on the site, too, in case you guys uh, just want to go there. 
Commander Mark Devine, first, thank you for your service. And then thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. This has been a, a fantastic, fantastic talk. Booyah, Trip. It's been my pleasure. And uh, good luck to everyone uh, on your uh, listener group. There's so much more to The New Man than these interviews. So visit thenewmanpodcast.com and join the mailing list so you never miss another update. Thanks for listening.